Take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter number 10, Luke chapter number 10. And I just want to say thank you to Pastor Russ for the opportunity um, to be here on a Sunday morning, to preach on a Sunday morning. I'm thankful, Pastor Russ, for your friendship over the years. I was watching online your service, uh, I think it was last Wednesday, when you said you were a very strict flow leader. And you were never my flow leader. That's probably why we're friends. <laughs> I, I think I could be wrong, but I do think you wrote up a friend of mine for a string hanging off of the back of his pants. It might have been somebody else, but, but it might have been. But praise the Lord. You know, no matter how old you are, we grow in our faith. We grow when we learn, and, and God molds us into what he wants us to be. This morning we sang about God's goodness, and I hope you've experienced God's goodness in your life. The last song that was sung, the, the writer of that song, she's been in Honduras. Uh, my friends ran into her at the airport, and, uh, uh, you know, if we consider God's goodness, and we write about God's goodness, and we talk about God's goodness, that's really one of the motivations for missions. We want the world to know that there's a God in heaven that's good. And uh, as God's been good to us, and we've got our families and our houses and our Dunkin' Donuts across the street, there's a world around us that has never heard the gospel. And there's people struggling, and there's people hurting, and there's people that are growing up without moms and dads. There's people that are growing up in abuse. And if God's been good to us and we know the goodness of God, we want to share God's goodness with others. Luke chapter 10, we have a familiar uh, story here in the Bible, the story of the Good Samaritan. Many of you are familiar with that story. And uh, quickly, just to give you a little bit of background, someone was talking with Jesus, and they thought they were pretty good and had it all together. And they, they were asking, you know, what, what are the things that I need to do? And we know the greatest commandment is love God, and the second that's like unto it is to love your neighbor as yourself. Well, this guy felt like, I think I'm doing that. I think I'm doing a pretty good job. I've got it all together. Every time we think we've got it all together, God has a way of showing us, nope, you don't have it all together yet. And uh, this man said, well, who's my neighbor? And the Bible gives us the story of the, great command, or the, the, the Good Samaritan. And at the end of the story, Christ asks, who do you think was the neighbor to this man who was sick? And he said, well, the person that helped him. And this story here is this, that those that come across our path and those that we know about, those that have needs, they're our neighbor. When God says to love our neighbor, he's not just talking about loving the people in our house or loving the people next door to us. He's talking about people that we learn about that have needs. I'm thankful that Meriden Hills Baptist Church cares about Meriden. And as I've watched your church and I've seen what you do in your community, you care about your town. And who knew pizza could be a way to love people? But you guys have given out more pizza than any other Baptist church I know of. And that's a way to love people. We don't just need to love the people in our community, but the Bible's given us the instruction to get the gospel to the world. We have the opportunity to plant this church in a little village called Pacheco. It's about 30 minutes up this dirt path, and uh, you'd think nobody lives up there. It's about five, 6,000 feet up in the mountains. There's no gospel teaching church there. There's very few people that have cars there. Most people that live in that village stay in that village their entire life. And the truth is, if we don't get the gospel to that village, I don't know that anybody else is making plans to do that. And so if we believe in the greatness of God and the goodness of God, we want to make a difference and we want to get the gospel. And I want to share with you as we look at this passage of Scripture, how can an ordinary person make a difference in this world? How can somebody who's a common man impact this world for Christ? Luke chapter number 10. Let's look at verse number 30 to start with. And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. 
By chance, there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed on the other side, likewise a Levite. We find, and then, then we find a Samaritan, when he journeyed, came where he was, saw him, and had compassion on him. Before we go any farther, let's pray and ask God's blessing on the message. Lord, what a blessing it is to be in your house. You've been so good to us. We're so thankful that we can be here and we can open the Word of God. And Lord, I pray that as we consider this passage of Scripture, you'd stir our hearts. Lord, even now, may we make a decision in our minds and in our hearts. Lord, if you'll speak to my heart, I'll obey. May that be the the, the heart cry of each one of us right now. Lord, if you'll speak to me, I'll obey. Speak to us in this passage, Lord. I ask your blessing on the message. Use me in spite of myself. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Notice this. The Bible says this man fell among thieves. He was going on a journey. He wasn't looking for problems. He wasn't saying, I'm going to go hang out with the thieves. He was just going along his way, going along his life, and and by accident, by chance, he came across a situation uh, where thieves found him. They hurt him. Uh, Many people are living their lives, and and they're not looking for problems. I think of the people in Honduras. They don't don't decide, I'm going to be born in a a country that 65% of the population makes less than $2 a day. They didn't make that choice. They didn't choose to be born in a home where where 80% of children born in Honduras don't have the father's name recorded on a birth certificate. Most homes are fatherless in Honduras. They didn't choose for that. They were just going around, going, living their life, and they found problems just like this, this man is on his journey, and he fell among thieves. The Bible says that these men, they stripped him of his raiment. That was a humiliating event. That was embarrassing for him. And you know what the world will do and what sin will do? Many times it'll bring you to a place where you're kind of embarrassed and you're ashamed of the things that are in your life. The Hondurans aren't proud of Many of the problems that they have, they're embarrassed by them. The single moms and, and the, the, the abusive situations, nobody wants to talk about it. They want to ignore the fact that there's problems. This man is humiliated. He's wounded. The Bible says, and, and after these thieves were done, they departed, leaving this man half dead. And I'm not a doctor, but and I don't know if that's a medical description exactly, but the idea of half dead, I get the idea that this guy is as close to dying as he is to living. I mean, this guy, without help, without somebody to come alongside, without somebody to care, without somebody to have compassion, without somebody to have responsibility, without somebody to be generous, this man, I believe, would have died. He's right on the edge of life and death and needing somebody to come and help him. And I think of a world that, for different reasons, is hurting, and they're without hope. And if somebody's not there to help them and share with them the love of Jesus Christ they'll die without hope. I think of these villages and these places in Honduras, if nobody shares the gospel with them, they won't hear the gospel. The Bible says in verse 31, by chance there came down a certain priest that way. Now, we don't have priests in the New Testament church age, but here we have a situation where there's a religious leader. We might look at him in our day and age as a pastor, somebody that should know about caring about people. Maybe this priest is walking by and he's thinking, okay, I'm going to give my lecture about how we ought to care about people. Maybe he's thinking about his Bible passages. Maybe he's thinking about what he read. He's a spiritual man, most likely. But this priest, the Bible says he, he goes right on by. The Bible says he, the certain priest passed that way when he saw him. He passed by on the other side. He's thinking about I, I, there's somebody over there. I don't even want to know what's going on over there. I don't want to see that. I'm just going to ignore it and walk away. Many times the leaders that we think would be the ones that care. They're the ones that miss the needs. And it could be that maybe that's been your experience, that you've wondered why a pastor or why somebody that should have cared about you and 
and invested and you did not. In verse 32, we find a Levite. This is part of the priesthood tribe. These are religious people, not, not a pastor or a priest, but probably a religious man. He said, when, the Bible says, when he was at the place, came and looked on him. Not just noticed that he was there, but he came and looked. He, he noticed the situation. He said, man, that guy is in bad shape. That guy was hurt by the, by the thieves, and that guy's about to die, and he's in a rough situation. He came and looked, and then he passed by on the other side. Verse 33, a certain Samaritan. Samaritans were not known for being religious. There was a few of them that had gotten saved, the Samaritan woman that Jesus had shared who he was with her, and she trusted him, and she told everybody in Samaria about who Jesus was. This Samaritan wasn't looked at as a religious leader. I think, I think he, he was probably, if he lived in our day, probably a construction worker or a mechanic. His name was probably Joe. You know, I think he's just a normal guy. This normal Samaritan that had no response, no, no obligation to help. Nobody was looking and saying, oh, I just need a Samaritan to come help me. But here's a man who is just a normal, ordinary guy. Not a leader, not, not even a great, well-known believer. As he journeyed, came where he was, and we find that this Samaritan man, we read about how he impacted the life of this man who was hurt. May I say this? Anybody, doesn't have to be a pastor, doesn't have to be somebody on staff at the church, anybody that wants to love people can love people. Anybody that wants to make a difference in this world can make a difference. Anybody that wants to have an impact can have an impact. And maybe there's somebody here today and you say, well, I'm I'm a retired lady in the church and I live by myself. And what difference can I do? What what difference can I make in a place like Honduras? Or maybe you're going through some problem or some struggle in your family and you say, well, I'd love to be able to make a difference, but I don't know how. I'm going to share with you three things, three ways that an ordinary person was able to change the world and make an impact. Look at this. The Bible says at the end of verse 33, when he saw him, he had compassion. I want to share with you three words that if you'll get these three words, I believe it'll change the way we think about world evangelism. It'll change the way we think about missions. It'll change the way we think about reaching our community. The first word is this, compassion. Compassion. The priest and the Levite, they passed by and they saw the need. They understood the need. The Levite looked and, and he spent a little bit of time there noticing what was going on and he passed on by. But the Samaritan, when he realized what was happening, it, he let it move his heart. When we see needs and we see, we see problems and we see people that are hurting, we can look away from the problem or we can look toward the problem. This man, this Samaritan man, saw the man hurting, saw the man uh, half dead, and he was moved with compassion. We know the Bible says in Jude 22, and of some having compassion, making a difference. I can share with you, and I, I've shared the statistics with you, some of you already, 80% of children born in Honduras don't have the father's name recorded on the birth certificate. 60, 60% or so of Hondurans make less than $2 a day. Honduras has the youngest age of teen pregnancy of any country in Central America with the average age of first pregnancy being 15 years old, the average grandmother 30 years old. There's tremendous needs, tremendous needs. We can hear about those needs, and we can say, boy, somebody ought to do something about it, and we can ignore those needs. We can say, well, it's not my job. I'm not called to be a missionary. I'm not, you know, the priest can take care of that. The pastor can take care of that. The missionary can take care of that. But what am I supposed to do about that? But this Samaritan man, when he knew about needs, he didn't look away from the needs. He looked towards the needs. He said, what, what, what can I do about these, this situation? How can I love my neighbor? How can I love this person that's hurting? Somebody said this to me. A preacher said this years ago, and I never forgot it. You can't say that you care about someone's soul 
if you haven't taken the time to learn their name? Wow, that stuck out of my mind. Some of you have heard about missions, and maybe you, you give towards missions in, in, the, in the missions program of your church, but some of you even here that have been on mission trips, when you get to know some of these kids and you learn their name, it's a lot harder to walk away from, isn't it? When all of a sudden it's not just a statistic, all of a sudden it's not just some information, but all of a sudden you're thinking about, uh, about this child and this young man and this young lady, and you're thinking about this, this, this single mom, and you're thinking about this, this person that's been hurt and, and abused and abandoned. When you know their name, it's really hard to walk away from them. We ought not look away from problems, but look towards problems, look towards people, and have compassion on them. Oh, we can, we can come along with a judgmental spirit and say, well, they shouldn't do that and they shouldn't be this way. Well, you didn't grow up in the way that they grew up. And well, you know the Bible and you know some things about right and wrong that maybe they haven't learned yet. I do know this. God wants us to look at the world with compassion. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. He didn't say, for God so loved the people that were really obedient. He didn't say, for God so loved the people that went to church every Sunday. The Bible says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Oh, I hope our church would have compassion to look at people with needs, to look at missionaries and situations in different countries where people are struggling and they're hurting and they're without Christ and that our hearts would be moved by compassion. This Samaritan man was a normal guy, but he was able to make a difference because he, he had compassion. Look at this, verse 34. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. Nobody was telling this this. Samaritan man, hey, look, it's your job. You better take care of this. You, you have to do this because of your occupation. You have to do this because uh, this is how you're going to work your way into heaven or something like No, this man said, look, there's a need. Nobody else is taking care of it. I will. The first word we see this morning is compassion. The second word is this, responsibility. This man decided, I'm going to take responsibility for those that I come across. I'm going to take responsibility for the needs that I know about. I'm going to take responsibility for those that are in my path to do something about it. We've become a culture where we don't want to take responsibility for anything except for the bare minimum. You ever watch the the memes and the pictures on Facebook about maybe, maybe I've seen where they're striping the sides of the road and there's a tree that landed over the side of the road and instead of moving it off to the side, they just paint over it. Nobody wants to take responsibility. I, I, I like to mow grass. I don't do that too much anymore, but I used to work on a landscaping crew and had these big zero-turn mowers that can drive as fast as a car, and they're just they're this, this manly machine. And we'd cut grass in, here in Connecticut at some of the most um, beautiful places. I mean, beautiful, beautiful lawns. And You'd be on the machine, and you'd stop, and there'd be a napkin in front of you. Oh, man, I want to get off the mower. It's only a napkin. It's probably not that big of a deal, right? And so kind of look around, make sure the boss isn't there, and just drive over it, and that napkin just shreds up and goes across the lawn. Because, wow, we don't want to take responsibility. Do do you know this? The Bible has given the responsibility to get the gospel to the world, to the local church. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Not as, not as a program we'd be involved in the, with a sense of saying, oh, yeah, I gave a little bit, so I'm part of it. But God gave us the Great Commission with the expectation we would accomplish it. Not just be part of it, but accomplish getting the gospel to the world. And as much as we want to love and merit it, and we should continue to do that, and we ought to care about Connecticut, we ought to care about the United States, we ought to care about the world. Take responsibility and say, look, I don't have to do this. I'm not, I don't have to do it because it's my occupation. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a church leader. But I, I do know the Lord, and God's been good to me. 
We can sing the songs every Sunday and every, every Wednesday about God's goodness and, and, and lift our voices in praise. But can we lift our voices in praise to get the gospel where it hasn't gone? We see this man with compassion. We see this man taking responsibility. The Bible says he bound up his wounds. He poured in oil and wine that's medicinal. He set him on his own beast. Now, that would be equivalent to our car, right? Using what God's given you, using your finances, paying for somebody's medicine, taking somebody somewhere in your car. I mean, think about this. This guy is probably bleeding on the side of the road, and, and, and as he goes on this donkey, I mean, things are getting dirty, and it's, it's gruesome, and it's not, nobody's there saying, good job, buddy, way to serve the Lord. Take a selfie, put it on Facebook. This guy is saying, I'm going to take responsibility for the needs that I see, and I'm going to use what I've got in my life to accomplish it. You know that everything God created, he created in six days. And everything else is a result of what God created in those six days. Everything that we need to reach this world for the gospel exists. We just got to go out there and find it and use it and take what God's given us. One of the teenagers in our property one time said to me, Brother Chris, if, if I had money, if I, if I had, you know, $1,000, boy, I would do this and this and this and this for the Lord. And I thought, you don't do anything with what you have now. I don't believe that for a second. But here's the truth. As Americans, we've got so many blessings that we take for granted. And if you've been to a place like Honduras, you, you can recognize that a little bit, that well, we, we live better than most of the world lives. God's given us this great privilege to be in such a great country so we would do something with it. And here this man's taking his own beast, his own resources, and he's saying, how can I use what God's given me to meet needs? Number one, compassion. Number two, responsibility. Look at this, verse 35. This is, this is a great missions verse. And I think after today, you're never going to be able to look at verse 35 without considering the significance of missions in this verse. We see generosity in verse 35. The Bible says, on the morrow, when he departed. So here's the Samaritan man. I don't know, maybe it's Monday morning. Maybe he's got to be at his 9 to 5 boring Mechanic job, I don't know what he does, but he has to be somewhere. He said, I can't stay with this man. I can't stay in this hotel. I can't keep ministering to this man in the same way. So he said, on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence. That's about two days' wages at the time, and he gave them to the host. So he goes to the front desk, and he says, here's some money. Here's what I've got with me. He said, I'm going to give you what I've got. And he said, take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Think about this. Think about this. He's saying, I wish I could be here. I wish I could help this man. I've tried to minister to him. I've done everything I know how to do. I've used my resources. I've, I've taken responsibility for him. But I can't be here every single day. I've got a life. I've got a job. I've got, I've got, maybe he had kids. Maybe he, maybe he had uh, to, to go help somebody else. But he had a life. And he said, so I can't do it, but I can help somebody else do it in my place. Some of you will learn about Honduras, and if I were to tell you stories of the different kids there and tell you different situations there, we, we've dealt with, with somebody this, this, uh, just a couple months ago, somebody that we, we knew that, that was murdered, and now some of her family's on our property. It's, it's, I could tell you all these stories. You say, boy, I wish I could do something to help. I could tell you a story about a young lady, and, and she's been on our property for about four or five years. She was abandoned by her parents, and she lived in an orphanage for a while before she was in our property. And uh, every time it's her birthday, I'll walk in, and I'll see her at a table, and there'll be tears running down her face. I'll say, hey, what's going on? Are you okay? What's, what's the matter? She said, it's my birthday. I said, right. <laughs> Happy birthday. 
I just keep hoping my dad will remember and call me. He never does. If you could help her, wouldn't you want to? See, here, here we find this man. He says, I want to help, but I can't. I can't be there. But you know what missions is? Missions is sending somebody in your place. This is a missions verse because he says, look, I can't be there to minister, but I can help somebody else minister in my place. And he, he uses generosity. Look, he gives two days' wages. He uses his own beast. He says, anything else you need, when I come back, I'll pay it. So get this man the help that he needs. Get this man the medicine that he needs. Get this man the bandages that he needs. Get this man exactly what he needs. And whatever the cost is, I'll pay it. Generosity. You know that we're not going to reach this world for Christ if we're selfish? We're not going to reach this world for Christ if we try to hold back? We're not going to reach this world for Christ if we say, well, that's my vehicle and that's my, my donkey. We want to say donkey. I don't think anybody here has a donkey. That's my beast. I'm not going to use it because it, that's mine. We start thinking, well, I don't have to do that, and I shouldn't have to do that. And Listen, nobody told this guy he had to do any of this. But this guy had a heart that was generous. And a heart that's generous makes an impact. We can read about the story of this good Samaritan. You know, is this a parable or is this a situation where Jesus is talking about people he knows? I don't know. I think, based on some of the specifics, that this was probably a real situation. The Bible doesn't say this, so maybe... Uh, you know, I'm just using my imagination a little bit, but is it possible that this was a Samaritan man who had understood the gospel? Maybe he heard from the woman at the well that uh, the, the, the Samaritan woman that had gotten saved that there is a God that, that loves him. And that if faith was placed in him in, in, in the Old Testament in his redeeming work and that Jesus Christ was God that was going to die for the sins of the world, maybe he had faith in Christ. Realized God's been good to me. God loves me. And when he saw somebody that was in a situation that was difficult, he said, if God's done this for me, I can do it for somebody else. But he made a difference because he was generous. Three, three ways that an ordinary man made an impact in this world. Compassion, number one. Responsibility, number two. And number three, generosity. I'll share this story. This is a real story, not a parable. This is a real story. Two, three weeks ago, I was in a church. I had booked the meeting, didn't know the pastor, didn't know, didn't know the church. It was in, it was in Oregon. I've, that's far away from here. And uh, I was trying to book other meetings, and I just got busy and didn't book any other meetings. So I called the pastor about a week or two before the meeting, and I said, Pastor, I'm looking forward to being with you. I said, I told you I was going to book other meetings in the area, and I said, I didn't get a chance to do that. But I said, I'm okay with that. If you are, I just want to be up front with you. And in my mind, I'm thinking, like, man, it's going to cost me more to go to this meeting than he probably, than, than it's going to be tough. And so he said, brother, if you're okay with coming, we still want you. Come on over. And I said, that's fine, brother. I'll be there. So I buy my airline ticket and, and fly to Oregon. And I kind of have a grumpy spirit. Didn't sleep well. And, you know, I'm in the hotel just worn out. A lot of time changes. And that morning I got up and I just prayed. And I said, God, uh, I'm, I'm going to preach the same message I preached today. I preached there. I said, God, would you do something? And after the service, after the service, a man and his wife came up to me, and they said, well, tell me about these churches you want to plant in Honduras. And I shared with them uh, that we, were, we found a piece of property that we wanted to buy. And he said, well, how much do you need for that? And I said, well, we, we need to raise about $10,000 for that. And he said, well, how much have you raised so far? And uh, I just started raising, and I didn't want to answer that question. I said, we've got $500, so we only need $9,500 more. That's it. And uh, I told him that, and he said, okay, and how, how much you need to build a building? And I said, well, you know, probably about 15000 or so, maybe after that. 
And he said, okay, well, we want to help you with some of that. And I said, well, just talk to the pastor. And, you know, I didn't think much of it because that was very kind. And I'm, the guy who touched their heart, he was in tears with me, and it was a blessing. But go to lunch with the pastor after the, after the service. We chatted, small chat for a little bit, and then the pastor came up to me and said, oh, by the way, a couple people came up to me after church, and we want to take care of the entire cost of buying the land and the entire cost of building the church, and we probably have a little extra. We've got $30,000 that we want to give you. What happened? Do you realize because of that, the gospel is going to go to a town that wouldn't have had the gospel? It was simply somebody that I don't know that never knew me that said, look, I hear about the needs in Honduras, and it bothers my heart. And I'm going to make it my responsibility to do something about it. And I'm going to be generous. Now, does that happen every week? Absolutely not. But you know this, whether it's in a big way or in a small way, if we would have compassion, if we would take responsibility, and if we would be generous, it doesn't matter who you are, how old, how young, uh, man or lady, we can impact this world for Christ. Compassion, responsibility, generosity. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, it's your desire and ours that Meriden Hills Baptist Church would have an impact, an impact in Meriden, an impact worldwide. And Lord, sometimes we can push that responsibility off. Well, the pastor will take care of it. The church leadership will take care of it. But Lord, may we be willing to personally say, Lord, I want to have compassion. I want to learn the names of people. I want to know the situations. I want to look and, and be moved by it, not look away from it. And Lord, if you show me something and it's in my power, I want to take responsibility, not because anybody's forcing me or making me or convincing me, but Lord, I know what you've done for me. I, I can take responsibility to make something my priority. And Lord, may we be generous with our lives, with our time, with our finances. And Lord, would you increase the influence of us individually and us corporately as a church. Lord, thank you for your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Pastor.